Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello everyone and welcome once again to our online service. It is my pleasure to be able to bring the Word of God to us in these times. And I want to greet you in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, just to go back to last week, on Sunday afternoon we had our AGM uh, where we were sharing the financials and just some of the highlights of 2019. And uh, a special thank you to everyone who could join us. But also just a very special thank you to everyone that's part of the church and uh, part of the, the, the finance partnership of the church who gives and tithes in various ways as unto the Lord. We just want to honor you for that and thank you uh, that your partnership is allowing us to take the gospel into our nation and to make an impact in our communities. I also just want to highlight once again, you know, that in spite of everything that's happening with the COVID-19 numbers, our lives have to go on. And uh, the government has made the announcements concerning the lockdowns, etc. But uh, the schools are starting to reopen. And it is important in these times, while you're sending your kids to school and everyone is starting to move around, that we do not harbor fear in our hearts but that will continue to speak according to the word of God. Allow that to be your confession and uh, yeah, take guidance and, and obviously take precautions, but make sure that you are not driven by fear. The word of God says that perfect love of God drives out fear because fear involves torment and he that fears has not been perfected in love. But as we allow the love of God to settle our hearts, we'll continue to rebuild and to re-restore everything that we need to in terms of what God has for us. And so I want us to get into our message this morning, I'll pray, but we're starting with a two-part series very briefly just to highlight some of the aspects um, of, of family life that are so crucial in this time. So let me pray and then we can get into the Word. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of our nation. You are the Lord over our households and our families. And I pray today that your word, Father God, will build a sure foundation in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, that will bring generational blessings and that it will be a, a strengthening, Father God, to our values and our hearts. I pray that as the word goes out, that we will be transformed in the inner man and that will apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're starting a two-part series today on marriage and family. I call it the marriage and family refresh. And uh, today we're going to deal specifically with marriage and next week highlighting a little bit more on parenting. You know, during this time of COVID-19, when everyone had to go on lockdown, it really became apparent that what matters is what's in your home. Everything on the outside is peripheral, literally, to what happens on the inside. And what happens inside the home? Marriage and parenting. That is what happens inside the home. This is the foundation of our society. And today I want to share with us on these four points. One, that marriage is for male and female. Two, that marriage is designed as the center of society. Three, that marriage is a parable between Christ and his bride. And four, that marriage is the foundation for children. 
it is important that we realize that our social fabric is currently under attack. And the enemy knows that God's design is always fully packed with blessing. And so all he needs to do to rob God's children of blessing is to touch or to corrupt or to pervert God's plan and design for family and for society. You see, even the Black Lives Matter uh, organization that's currently gaining so much traction, on their website, they have this phrase that they intend to disrupt and destruct the, the, the traditional fabric of family. What is that traditional fabric of family? It is God's design. And I'm just using that as one example. There are many others who have various others, other ideas concerning what family should be like. And the reason why I felt very strongly impressed of the Lord that we needed to reemphasize this is you might be in a place where you feel, no, obviously uh, family and marriage is at the core of life and, and society, but it is not as obvious anymore. And it is important that we build this firm foundation on the word of God. So I want to encourage us this morning from the scriptures concerning God's plan, design, for family, and so that we are able not to say, no, Pastor Chris said so, or so-and-so said so, but that we can say, no, this is what God's word actually says. And the word of God says that any man who listens to the word of Christ and applies it to their lives is like a man who builds on a rock. When the storms come, they are able to weather the storms. But a man who builds and doesn't follow God's word builds on sand, and when the storms come, that house has complete destruction. And many of our communities and many of our families are experiencing severe destruction, almost as if a curse has taken over the land, the family, the nation. And, and uh, there are those who say, yeah, but these are traditional and old religious beliefs. You know, truth is old. There is no such thing as new truths. Truth has always been the truth, and it is only a discovery of the truth that might be new. But that very truth was true a thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago, or wherever. And it's so important that we understand that the Word of God reveals Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. And if we can build our lives on the truth, we have a firm foundation for what is real and what is reliable. And the word of God says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And many of our families are living on a foundation of, of so much bondage that emanate from our children, emanate from our parenting, emanate from our marriages. We've got a, a, a big uh, matter that's trending now on social media concerning saving the children and the whole pedophilia thing that's taking um, becoming uh, very aware around the world that is being alerted. This is something that's been going on for many, many uh, decades and centuries. It is important that we understand that it is in the context of family where values and protection is established. The reason why there are children outside of the family vulnerable to all these predators is, is specifically because moms and dads are not fulfilling the role that they should be fulfilling. 
And if moms and dads are going to fulfill the role that they should fulfill, it's going to start in their relationship with God and with one another. So the first principle that I want to share with us today is that marriage is for one male and one female. Yes, I know it sounds like such a basic elementary truth. Listen to this message 10 years from now. You will see the kinds of weirdness that is going to come into the point of push for legalization when it comes to the definition of marriage. And in our societies, we already have so many that are pushing for other forms of marriage. Let's read here from Matthew chapter 19, verse 1 to 7. It says, Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these sayings, that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. Verse 2. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Verse 3, the Pharisees also came to him. The Pharisees are experts of the law, religious law. They are sort of the spiritual leaders, theologians of the time. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? So they come to Jesus who claims to be the source of truth, who claims to be the son of God, and they ask him, is it right and is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason, on a whim? Verse 4, And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, verse 5, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife or cleave to his wife or cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And verse 6, So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. In these seven verses, there are so many aspects in our current society that are in violation. The first one that Jesus highlights is, did you not read that he who made them in the beginning? This thing starts with the fact that God is the creator. He's the one that designed it to be so. He says, in the beginning, he made them male and Female. We currently have an issue around the world concerning the multiplicity of genders, whether there's only male or female, and people say, no, it's so binary, there are other non-binary genders, etc. And many times it's corroborated from the experiences of those people, anecdotal evidence to say, no, this is what I experienced and this is what that person experienced. Even in the cases sometimes where you have mutations in the sexuality, you know, the mutations or the deviations in the sexuality of an individual does not point to the original design. There are many things that go wrong. There are people who are born blind today. There are people who are born mute and many other kinds of experiences and deformities that people experience. But when we come to the truth and we ask Jesus, if we ask Jesus, what is it supposed to be? He will say that in the beginning he made them male and female. 
And then Jesus says, for this reason, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. So immediately out of the design of male and female, God then puts them together and says they are no longer two, but become one. There is a union based on God's design. Now, how does a man and a man become one? And on top of that, how does a man and a man have a child? We will get now to the next principle that will show us from the word of God. These are very basic things, but it almost sounds controversial just for me to say them. A man is a man. A woman is a woman. Stone me if you want to. A man is a man. A woman is a woman. A woman cannot be a man and a man cannot be a woman. They are different, but they are equal in God's sight, but very unique. And it says, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. And uh, just for those of you who want to get married, the men especially, you are supposed to leave your mom and dad's home and go and find yourself a wife and join yourself to her and start a family with her. And then at the last part, he says, therefore, what God has joined together, let not Man separate. And this is God's standard for family. We're talking today about refreshing our value for family, natural family. And we see here from God's word that this is the principle. Principle number two, marriage is designed as the center of society. We're going to Genesis chapter one, verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Once again, male and female, he created them. This is amazing that God emphasizes this. Then verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, what? Be fruitful and multiply. How are you to be fruitful and multiply except if you are doing it in accordance with God's design of male and female under the blessing of marriage. He says, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's mandate was to a family. This principle shows that our society, when you look outside, it is not just made of individuals. Every individual has a mother and a father. Every child, every human being is an offspring of conception between a man and a woman. And the issues of our society arise from this situation where the man is either abdicating his role or the woman has somehow abdicated her role. And out of that, the children are the ones who suffer the consequences. Every societal issue that we have today Every corrupt politician had a mom and a dad that could have raised them. Every corrupt businessman, every kind of criminal, every societal issue arises out of this point that God ordained mom and dad and children to grow up out of that. When we begin to touch 
the family, the nuclear family, mom and dad and child, when we begin to violate, redefine and change that, we are starting to touch our own foundation. And if the foundations be removed, it's just a matter of time before the storms come and the whole, the whole house crumbles. The whole nation crumbles. And some have defined this as very progressive ideas. We don't want to be stuck to all those old ideas about having a mom and a dad. And nowadays, especially in Namibia, I have to say that we have various challenges that we see. One, we've got a lot of people who believe that marriage is just a piece of paper. This is a, a grave mistake, a grave mistake. And what do they do then? They basically move in together live together, and the guy tells the girl that they are actually married. This is what he, he persuades her with uh, some R&B music in the background or whatever. He manages to persuade her that this, we are actually married, you know? And, and that's one of the tricks that some men use to get in bed with women is that actually tonight is our, our marriage night. And then after that, the lady's heart has a hole because she desires to be honored in the way and commitment of marriage. And he keeps stringing her along with some kind of false lie about the fact that them living together is actually their marriage. It's an utter lie. And then we see many times the offspring and the children coming out of those relationships. And then the man at any point can decide, no, I'm out. Or he might be in another marriage with another woman and in another marriage <laughs> with another woman. And so the whole thing begins to deconstruct. And the children begin to have a confusion concerning who is mom, who is dad, where's the levels of authority, and what is the impact on society. Then you find some other men who say, and I saw a preacher on Facebook coming out, and he was basically saying that, no, actually God uh, supports polygamy. God supports polygamy, and polygamy means more than one wife, right? He supports polygamy. Look at Abraham. Abraham had, had uh, Sarah and then Hagar. Look at Jacob. Jacob married this wife and that wife. Look at David, and David had many wives. Look at Solomon, 1,000. And, 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 and you could see his excitement as he was sharing this, right? And he was trying to make the argument that polygamy is okay. If we go back to what Jesus said, he said in the beginning he made them male and female. And for this reason will the man leave his mother and father and be cleaved to his wife, not his wives. Singular, not plural. And even if we look at how it actually happened with Adam and Eve, when God said it is not good for Adam to be alone, I will make for him a help meet for him, a helper suitable, a companion to complement him. I will make Eve for him. He put him into a deep sleep and formed Eve. Why didn't God, if God is so pro-polygamy, why didn't God bring Eve and Susan and Wendy when Adam woke up? This is not God's design at all. His design is one man and one woman. And if you reject this, you are rejecting God's design and all the consequences that come with rejecting God's will. 
are our portion. We see it in our societies. The other example is Christ. The Word of God says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. We are referred to as a church as the bride of Christ, not the brides of Christ. Even Jesus, in the analogy of the relationship between him and the church, which is what marriage is, only has one spouse. And many of these men, I wonder to what extent they'd be happy if their wife or their girlfriend had these kind of thoughts concerning the other way around. Most of the time it's the men that are saying, no, I need more than one wife. What if wives started saying, no, I need more than one husband? Because the one can give me money, the one can give me this, the one brings the flowers and whatever else. It becomes a perversion of what God has designed from the beginning. So point number two, marriage is designed as the center of society. If we can do well in marriage, our society will do well. Then principle number three, marriage is a parable of Christ and his bride. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Notice how he starts. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Then verse 22, the, the, the verse that many of the feminists don't like. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to who? To the Lord. Wow. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. So she's submitting to someone who is her Savior, not her abuser, her Savior. Then verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Entrust yourself to your husband. This is what it says here. And it is important because many times, um, ladies, I'm, I'm going to speak to you right now. Many times, women choose a mate on the basis of his romance and not on the basis of his reliability. Don't choose a husband because he can sing R&B and rap like Drake. And, and, and seeing like Josh Groban, or he has nice style. Choose a husband to whom you are willing to entrust yourself to. This is what the word of God says. Because once you get married, the preachers will tell you the same thing over and over. Wife, submit. This is your husband. You said, I do on that day. And then verse 25, it says, husbands... Love your wives. Now, verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this is the way that the husband submits to the wife and, and in reverence to, to the Lord. It says, husbands, love your wives. Just as what? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 28, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. 
as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. He who beats his wife beats himself. He who abuses his wife abuses himself. This is important. During this time of lockdown, we've heard that domestic violence had skyrocketed. This is a travesty, especially in Christian homes. I've known too many a preacher who has come along and has come and, and preached the morning, the morning message, and then in the evening, same day, he beats his wife. This is completely out of order. And then verse 29 says, After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Verse 31, For this reason, here we go, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There he quotes it again. Jesus quotes it, and in the beginning again. He says in verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, verse 33, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. If you notice, the verses concerning wife submitting are very few, about three. But the verses concerning husbands loving their wives are elaborate. Why? Because the, the, the key responsibility starts with the man. This is what God ordained from the beginning. He made the husband first. He started with the head. And out of that, he brought the wife in. And then out of that mutual relationship come the children. But what we've seen nowadays is we've seen the whole thing reverse. We've got many homes where the husband is the wife, the wife is the husband, and the children are God. And it is completely erroneous, a violation of God's principles, and we are reaping many of the consequences of that. So marriage is a parable between Christ and his bride. The husband plays the role of Jesus, who loves and sacrifices himself to the point of death for the love of his wife. And the wives entrust and submit themselves to their husbands, to their leading, to their provision, to their helpful, to their helping. And, and it is important that we keep this in our hearts. Many, many, many women, once they get married, they say, hey, that submission thing is not a joke. And many of them have not been warned before they got married that this is what you will have to do for this husband. And there are many more modern and progressive views that say, no, we in the house, there's no head of the house. You know, we are both leading together. That is contrary to God's word. And then you rob yourself of the blessing of what God wants to introduce into your family. And then principle number four, marriage is the foundation for children. Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 1 to 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. It is so important this. I'm, I'm going to, to deal next week specifically around children and parenting. But this is important that you see that he says, so that it may go well with you, 
and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Pointing back to Genesis, where God said, this is my design. Have dominion, have multiply, have children, so that everything relates to how our life can be blessed here on earth. This is God's plan. And today we've got many voices that contradict what God's word says. We've got many people that have a different idea about what marriage is, about what parenting is, what family is. Even in my life, I remember when I got married, you know, I thought that, you know, now that I'm married, you know, I've got somebody who will do everything for me, you know. And I had to have that correction in my heart through the word of God that one As the husband, it starts with me. I have to create the place, the environment, the home where this woman will come into and complement and be that partner in my life. It is a great blessing that begins to overflow into other families and into our communities and into our societies. It is important that we realize that we cannot move away from these foundations without the consequences of them being dire. And so today, I just want to encourage each one of us. There are many of you, you listening to this today, you need to repent. There are many of you in your mind, you don't agree. You don't agree with this view of what marriage is. There are some of you, you don't think husbands should, should be the leader in the home. Some of you, you, you think this submission thing is old school and it, it's not woman empowerment and all of that and that children can be born out of wedlock and all of that, there needs to be a repentance on a, in our nation. On a national level, we need to return back to God. Over these few months, we even had a national day of prayer where we said, oh God, according to Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. And we, we are quick to come to God when we need saving. But we don't understand that he has designed our societies in such a way that it will bring blessing on its own into our families. There are many statistics that point to the, the damage of children born out of wedlock, of children born without a father, of children who were raised without a father. These are things that might feel uncomfortable when we talk about them, but it's the truth. And we cannot hide them because the next generation must learn from our mistakes. We cannot go back and normalize things that we have erred on in order that that may be what is now correct. We live in a generation that calls left, right, and right, wrong, and up is down, and down is up, and evil is good, and good is evil. And so I'm here to share with us that as a church, as a community, as a nation, at least on this principle of family, we must restore our hearts to God. There are gentlemen out there, you, you sleep around, that's your thing. Having children in every city throughout the nation. God is speaking to you today. You need to repent of that. And the Holy Spirit is able to transform your heart. If you say, no, but I can't help it, come to Christ. Let God change your heart. Even if your heart is made of stone, 
He will turn it into a heart of flesh. He will give you the spirit of God. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, self-control. And he will help you. But it is important because these things are even happening inside of the church. They are even happening inside of the church. Does this mean that we will reject people out of the church for these kind of things? No. This is why the church exists. Let them come here. But once you've come, we have to be willing to adopt God's way and build according to God's design so that we don't perpetuate the curse that's upon this land. I'm reminded of the story of Lot. Lot was the cousin of Abraham. And when Abraham was called by God to a land that God was going to show him, he took Lot along, his nephew. And at one point, they became so prosperous under the blessing of God that they had to split up because there were now fights between the shepherds because the animals were just multiplying. And then Lot chose Sodom and Gomorrah. He chose a place that looked lush and beautiful. He went into it. And eventually it became the scourge of his life. By the time God came with judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah for their homosexuality and all the sins that was happening there, Abraham's intercession led to Lot's rescue. And when Lot was brought out, when Lot was brought out, hmm, the angel said, don't look back. Don't look back. His wife looked back, disobeying the order of God. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. Him and his two daughters managed to escape and were in a cave close by. And that's where they took, where they took a refuge for a few, a few weeks. And what happened is the, the daughters began to think to themselves, we don't have a city where we can marry and our mother is not here. What will we do now? to make sure that our father's name can continue and that we can have children. Let us make our father drunk and let us sleep with him, have sexual intercourse with him, so that we can have children by by our father. This is where the Moabites come from. Ruth, Boaz, Ruth was from this offspring. And many times, hmm, Even in our culture in Namibia, I've heard many stories of women that feel like, no, but I'm getting now to the age where, you know, my biological clock is ticking and I don't have a child. So what should I do? Oh, let me just X, Y, Z. And there was a curse that was spoken over the Moabites. And it is important that we realize there are curses that we release when we violate the will of God, when we violate the word of God. Today is an opportunity for us to look inside our homes, look inside our hearts, and begin to restore that. You might say to yourself, no, but I already have a child out of wedlock. Here's the child. What now? Or you might say to yourself, but I'm a child born out of wedlock. What do I do now? Does that mean God is not on my side? God is not for me? Absolutely not. You look at what happened to Ruth. She is now part of the lineage of Jesus. God is redemptive in his approach, but he doesn't endorse the means by which we sometimes go about to execute the the ends of our passions. And as a nation, I I trust that as, as we're sharing this message today, that many will hear the heart of the Father 
to say, look, if you want your inheritance to squander it, so be it. But there are so many graces and blessings through the word of God, especially when it comes to family, in doing things the right way. Does it mean that we'll do it perfectly? Maybe not. But we must have our North Star that keeps pointing us in the right direction to say, this is the way. I've got the wonderful privilege, and I love doing weddings. As a, as a minister, to be at a wedding where people are making their vows and their tears, and they're, they're saying, I, I, I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward in sickness and in health, in good times and bad times, in richer or poorer, till death do us part, you know. And the, the wedding is beautiful. And then two years later, the guy wants to come back and divorce the guy. Or the lady says, no, I'm no longer in love with this man. And there are many consequences to when we build on emotion and when we build on feeling instead of building on the truth of God's word. And so my encouragement to us is that we will repent in our hearts and return to the Lord. Secondly, I want to encourage us to stand for godly marriage. When someone asks you, do you believe that marriage can only be between a man and a woman? You should say yes. Don't, don't be pushed by our culture. Why? Because the consequences go towards our whole society. Stand for what is right. Stand for righteousness. Stand for what is holy. Stand for what is godly. Speak for that. Live for that. In our one-to-one -one discipleship, the first chapter the first value that we implant in your heart is the value that Jesus is Lord. It's not a matter of option. It's not a matter of democracy. Jesus is Lord. And so on these two points, I want to invite you today. If you are there in your home, you need to repent in your heart. You need to have that restored. If you have guilt or condemnation because of mistakes that you've done in the past, and now you have a child out of wedlock, or you're in a situation where you're living with your boyfriend, move out. No, but financially we can't afford. Move out. It is important that you realize that honoring God might have a cost, but he will take care of you. You might be living with your girlfriend, Today is the day when you should move out. You might be sitting watching me together now. <laughs> move out. And if you truly love one another, move out, make arrangements, come talk to us, get married, and then do this right. And even the children that are born in a situation where there's no, no father, we bless them. We continue to trust that God will bring restoration in their lives. And, and that many of them will become used of God in spite of everything that happened. And many of these things happened before we knew Christ in a place where we were ignorant. And so I want to encourage us today that the love of Christ draws us to repentance. The kindness of God draws us to a place where we follow him. And today, over as we start this uh, short series on marriage and family, that will be refreshed as we, as we repent before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that there is no fear in your love. 
And I thank you, Lord, that your holy word is the standard for our lives. Father, when it comes to marriage, I pray in the name of Jesus that husbands will take their rightful place, that they will serve and love and lay down their lives for their families, provide for their families, lead their families, encourage their families, lead them spiritually. I pray in the name of Jesus for wives. I pray, Lord, that there will be intercessors praying for their husbands, that they'll be in a place where they are trusting you with all of their hearts, that they are submitting themselves, entrusting their hearts, entrusting their lives to their husbands. And I also want to pray for children, Lord, those that are followed by their angels, like the Lord said, their, their angels are ever before the throne of God. I pray a blessing over them. And as we continue, Lord, to establish the values of the kingdom, I thank you, Lord, that your blessing will begin to flourish in every home that is hearing this message today. So I pray your blessing over them in Jesus' name. Amen. So may God bless you. I hope that these words were sobering to you and that we'll continue to build our nation and our society on the principles of God's word. Have a wonderful Sunday. And may you have a blessed week ahead. May God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.